All right. You're listening to In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? Welcome back to part two with photographer David James. If you haven't listened to the first part yet, maybe you're just tuning in. Stop listening to this one and go listen to part one. David sets up his career. He talks about his childhood. He talks about how he got into this business and how he's been working for studios since 16 years old, since he was 16 years old. Um, and he shares all sorts of great knowledge and wisdom that he learned in the early days on sets. And strap yourselves in for today's episode because we're going to go with a lot more modern films for you younger folks. Uh, he's going to talk a lot more about Spielberg. We're going to get into his experiences working with Tom Cruise and the things that he learned with Tom Cruise. Um, we're going to go deep. Uh, and let me tell you, I had to break this into two parts because... I, there was no way I was going to stop. This, there was no way I was going to stop this interview. I got myself in trouble here at the house. I said I would only go for a few hours. Gina had to hang out in the back. I just couldn't stop it. This has to be one of the best episodes that we've recorded for the show. And I feel like I'm doing something important here by documenting David's story. He has so much, so much to share thousands and thousands of hours on set, thousands of hours behind a camera. Uh, and I think it's in this portion where he starts to share things that he tells his subjects that I'm going to fucking remember. And he starts to give tips on how to get folks to connect with you as the photographer and you with a camera in your hands. Um, get ready, man. Make sure you have something to write some of this stuff down. And like I said, I take a back seat on these episodes. I'll chime in every once in a while. And it's most of the time just me sort of guiding him along and making sure that we're headed in the right direction with his stories. But this is mostly David talking just because I'm, I'm here to listen, man. Everything that he has to say, I want to hear. Um, and you guys hear me talk enough on the show anyway, so no big deal. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And thank you, everybody, for following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy and following the show on Instagram at inlovewiththeprocess.com. Um, there you guys can leave comments on today's episode. And also, if you want to be a super fan, everybody's like, what is a super fan? A super fan is someone that is commenting on all my posts, is someone that is reposting episode stuff on Instagram, someone that has gone on Apple Podcasts and left a review for the show. Uh, super fans help drive traffic to the episodes. Super fans send guest recommendations to the show. What do you get if you're a super fan? Well, not only do you get to call yourself a super fan of the show, but most super fans have got special guest pins from us. Most super fans will get will be the first to get invitations to actual events, live events. I will let you know when new merch is out. All sorts of great stuff. And I've been getting this question a lot from people. How can I see your movies? How can I see uh, 12 cam. How can I see who's there? Uh, super fans have seen them. I think for the general public, I'm still trying to figure out this Patreon thing. I've been away on vacation. I'm going to try to make it work and we'll try to hook it up in there somehow. Um, but right now, as of now, as of today, I'm only giving out the copies of my movies to folks that are super fans of the show. All right, to stimulate that. Now, if you want to be a super fan and you want more directions on this, drop me a message on Instagram and say, Mike, I want to be a super fan. What do I got to do? All right, and I'll hook you up. I'll give you some graphics. I'll give you some shit. 
you go out there, you promote the show, we'll make it happen. Um, and big shout out to all of the fans that have been promoting the show. And I just want to say this again, big shout out to the musicians that donate music to the show. The show would be nothing without you guys. Uh, you guys help set the tone of the show. You guys like really make Ah uh, In Love With The Process special. And if you haven't listened to them yet, I posted them on In Love With The Process, but you'll find them in the backlog of the queue. I do mu musicians showcase episodes, which basically gives a moment to listen and take appreciation to like bands like Code Electro, Betamax, The Neon Droid, Big Black Delta, all these artists that contribute to us. So check it all out. All right, that's it. That's enough office work. Uh, lots of great stories on the way. So grab those noise canceling headphones. You probably already got them on. Crank them to 11. Grab a beer. If you're smart, you've ordered yourself some Bear Republic, right? Because you know they're a sponsor of the show, but you know I also love this shit. And uh, join us because as we come back, Dave and I, I think we're going to uh, go through some white wine and some more food. And David's going to tell us even more stories of his life adventures as a still photographer on some of the most amazing movie sets in cinema history on the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. break we just got uh, some uh cheese some crackers some white wine all, all the best stuff That's how <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's like to be on the show relaxed mm -hmm. we start to eat so when you guys hear us chewing bear with it yeah yeah <laughs> all sipping mm -hmm. um so let's get back in and one of the things i wanted to ask you because uh if you go to your imdb you'll notice this you work a lot with Tom Cruise. You've been doing most of Tom Cruise's latest films. How come? That's, that started with, well, actually started, he did a, a film with Ridley Scott a long time ago. Legend? Legend. Mm -hmm. And I was there for the Telegraph color supplement oh, shit. to photograph Tim Curry being made up as a devil. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. It's like, and it was like, it was a big spread. I was there for like two or three days just doing Tim's makeup process and final on the screen. And while I was there, and Ridley, who I've known a long time, I did from Black Rain with Ridley. And Amazing. I love Ridley. He's like awesome. Yeah. But Ridley, he said, he said, while you're here, you might want to get some pictures of this kid, Tom Cruise. He's going places. And it was a scene where Tom was like on his knees with the white horse unicorn thing, right? Mm -hmm. And I just said, quick, hello. He doesn't remember, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, 
why would he? I wasn't there to photograph him. He wasn't the star. <laughs> but, you know, but, but anyway, as Ridley said, quite rightly said, he's going places, and he did, and he has, and he will. <laughs> but I, my next meeting with Tom was on the Minority Report, and I, you know, I figured, I no, I have not worked with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Because that didn't count. Right. Um, but I, as I often do, if I'm going to work with somebody I don't know, I research, you know, we've said this before, research, research. Mm -hmm. So I started calling other photographers who'd worked with Tom. And they said, hey, you know what? He's not one of those guys into stills and all that stuff. He said, make the movie, do mm -hmm. it all right for the movie, but, you know, and not good time for the rest. Yeah, which, so I said, which you see a lot. I've seen that with other actors. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And they say, but then... Knowing Stephen's like of, and love and use of stills, mm -hmm. you know, um, Spielberg, because Spielberg yeah, directed Spielberg, this. right? Yep. Um, I went to Stephen. I said, "Look, this is what I've heard, and I it's not. I know it's not your way of working. It's not my way of working. We need to have to make this right." So I said, "He said, well, what do you want to do?'" I said, "Well." Best for the first few days, let's not me try grab things. Mm -hmm. If I see something, yeah, if obviously there's something I, I can shoot, I will. I said, but if there's something that's really important, let me pose it. Mm -hmm. Let me call for still. And obviously, Stephen would always direct the still, right? Yeah. Bless him. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I wish they would all do that. Yeah. No, not all, actually. No. <laughs> um, but Stephen, yes, because he's so into it. So the first scene we're doing is Tom and and Samantha Jones. I forget. Yeah, I forget. Um, lovely English girl, right? Yes, it lives in Hampstead. <laughs> <laughs> Said in the English way. Um, so it's Tom's profile looking right and her profile looking left. Mm -hmm. And there's only one place to be. That's where the camera was. Otherwise, you would never get those two profiles. And so I say, Stephen, still, uh, still please. And, they put, and Tom's like, uh, what? And Stephen says, uh, we're going to do a still of this, Tom. And so, I say, so we set it up. They pull the camera back. I get my position. Stephen directs it. Tom's and Samantha, good as cold. And we do a couple of other setups that day that I call for still again. Mm -hmm. And Tom's obviously, but you know, it's Tom's first movie with Steven Spielberg, so he's going to he say, wanna, "Yeah, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> want to buck the system." He doesn't yeah. want to buck the system. He would. Um, so we get this, and the next day I go in. I go to the lab, and I and I don't know. They make me some bus stop poster size prints which Amazing. you roll out right and they are on the beautiful fuji metal base paper amazing they look they look like movie posters so i go in to the set the next day and steven's there and i said okay here's the images right mm -hmm. and so tom comes on the set and steven says hey, tom before we start and he rolls these prints out and he tells him they start talking to him about the images right and just how valuable getting these images to represent the movie are 
Right. And he said, you know, he said, we do all these things, he said, and people often forget about stills. He said, but these are my labels for the movie. These these are what made people say, wow, I've got to see this movie. Right, right. Right? And from that time on, Tom is so into stills, and I bless him. <laughs> I love him for it. But he, he got it. You know, he got it. He said, my, yes, this sells my, like, Preminger, this sells my movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. this sells... This all this hard work I'm doing, all these things I'm doing, these stunts, whatever, it's, it's acting, this portraying this character is there in the stores, and that's what makes the first time the public sees that is those, and then they go see the movie. And is it was it your stills for that movie that were used for the movie poster? Yes. Yeah, that really great profile, I am. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and did you get that shot? The similar way was it like you you took a moment on set and you said stills and then Spielberg yeah, came yes. in and directed it. Yeah, and, you know there th- there was a moment I I did um, night and day with him. I I didn't do most of Frank Massey did most of the movie. Mm-hmm. I was doing I think I was doing Spielberg movie, <laughs> okay. um, so I couldn't do most of night and day. But I they broke for Christmas. They did the stuff in Seville and places in Boston and somewhere. Mm-hmm. Then they broke, then they shot in L.A. and Jamaica. So I did that section. And there was a moment on the set, and this is where sometimes as a photographer, you've got to, like, don't be afraid. You need this. Go and do it. Right? Mm-hmm. And and these days when people love to watch playback, Otto Preminger thankfully didn't have that, so I got my career start. Um <laughs> They when when we'd done this scene with him coming down with who is the, the girl? Uh, is it Cameron Diaz? Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cameron. I'm awful with names. Vision. Um, me too. Me too. I can see her perfectly, yeah. but Cameron. Yeah. So the, there's a scene where they're coming down through stacked up um, canisters. You know, big. Um, I had friends that worked on that. Yes, uh, storage containers. Yeah, that they storage containers. Right? And then this alleyway there, and he's coming down with guns, and she's right over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Right, and there's a steady cam all the way down, and it's the only one place you can be is there. Right, so cut. Moving on. Tom wants to go and look at the video, mm-hmm. as Cameron does. Right, and I, I physically stop him. Because I know they're about to pull this set to pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, Tom, I want one second. You've got to give me this shot, right? And he says, no, I want to see that. I said, it will still be there when we've shot it. But the set won't be. <laughs> and he goes back and we shoot the shot. And it's a double page spread in the magazine. Yeah. And I was absolutely right. And he knew I was right. And he agreed, you know. But he did the shot. He put everything into it. And it was perfect. Yeah. But... The, the best story I have of him is that, and you know, I love the guy, and he's, he, I've, he is as dedicated to everything he does in film, like Steven Spielberg is into directing and the product. You know, Tom will put everything into it, mm-hmm. more than everything. I don't think there's an actor I've worked in my career who's so into what he's doing it pays off um man. no god doesn't it ever yeah i mean you know, we we did he's played 
all sorts of characters. We we did Rock of Ages, where he was a rock singer. <laughs> That's right, I forgot. And, and we, he and I sat down because I was in there for rehearsals with the dancers, and he, and he and I sat down one day on a break, and I said, "You know what? I want to photograph you when you're doing Shakespeare." <laughs> he said, "Me?" I said, "Yes, you can do it. Look at you. You're playing a rock singer, and you're putting everything into it." Yeah. Um, He's a, I mean, who else oh. can carry a movie? I mean, just the last Top Gun. The success oh. of that movie was on him alone. Yes, it was. It, uh, total, absolutely. That's nuts. You know, it's like, and, and believe me, you say, if I wouldn't be a first-time director, I'd work with him because he then knows every angle. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can ride on his back and say, okay, we shall do mm-hmm. We shall do that, Tom. <laughs> But you know, we, 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 it was a lovely story to say. We were walking off the last day of shooting on um, the, the other. Um, what, the Mission Impossible? No, no, no. no, no. Oh, uh, uh, the day, the, the one with Cameron Diaz. Yes, the one with Cameron Diaz. Yes. Um, we, we are walking off a beach in Jamaica. No, mm-hmm. Not a bad place to walk off, is it? No, of course. Um, and we were, he and I are walking off together. And he stops. He says, David, I'm going to do another mission. Oh. And I don't want to do it without you there. Wow. And, I thought, and that's, you know, that's very flattering. That's that's a hell of a compliment. Yeah. And so I, I turned around. We stopped. I turned around. I looked at him and I said, okay, but. <laughs> yeah, you don't say but to Tongress. So. Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he said, but what? I said, I want to shoot. I said, if there's one image they keep bringing out of your mission, of you horizontal from mission one. Fine, it's a good image, but it's like you've done nothing since. Right. And he looked at me and he said, oh my God, you're right. I said, so, so what do you want? I said, I have no idea, but I'll tell you when I see it. <laughs> And we laugh and we walk off the beach, right? So then we're in Dubai, mm-hmm. first day, and we're at the Burj Khalifa, right? But I did say to him, I want to shoot something of you that's never been shot with you or anybody and will never be shot again. Mm-hmm. A one-off, mm-hmm. right? So, and as he said, <laughs> what is it? I said, I don't know. Um, so we... we in Dubai and we're there under, at the Burj on the main platform this thing tiring half a mile up in the sky above us but tallest huge. building tallest man-made structure on the planet right? really? yeah it is really? to this day wow so um, we're standing there and, and the stunt guys are showing him the wire rigs of, and a stunt guy is doing some practice things saying you know showing how safe it is was this the one where he's like running up the outside of the glass building that was like ghost protocol or something yeah Yeah. and and running down it yeah yeah. that was my other shooting diary book which i love doing yeah um but he i just standing right next to him and i look up and look up and look up and i nudge him (laughs) (laughs) and he looks at me and I, i just put my head up was he looks up and he gives me a thumb in the shoulder, and I know we we're going to do it. <laughs> and and we do, you know. And I mean, it was just magical. It was to get, to get that image. Now, what this is the image that's on your website, right? Yeah, this is him at the very peak. The very peak 
of this building. Yeah. How did you? And he's just sort of sitting up at the top of he this just, thing. But there was a lot of collaboration in that. Firstly, the royal family of Dubai, mm-hmm. bless them, gave me a helicopter. Okay. They would never production was never charged for it. They gave us a helicopter. I went up like three or four times. They take the door off. I go up three or four times. It was a recce, different times a day, because I have to know what's the best time of day to shoot for the sun. Right. Yeah, for the sun and the visibility. And it turned out that if you didn't get the shot by nine thirty, ten o'clock, you weren't going to get it in because the morning. Nine thirty in, in, in the morning because the the desert heat picks up and it picks up all the sand it creates this kind of wind picks up all the sand and the city disappears completely you see the top of the burr sticking out the rest of it's gone fascinating from the ground you can see the city but it's not as clear but from the air it is gone the horizon has disappeared so i had to have the shot by 9 30 right so i talked to producers we have a big meeting one of the producers suggested that I go up and shoot the background and then they'll build the top against blue screen and that got laughed out. And as I said, Tommy, never going to go. And I said, that's not the idea. This is the idea that Tom has got up there. Right, right because he's now this Jackie Chan yeah, type right, that yeah. does everything. Yeah, so, and then it came back with the costume and... Somebody said, we obviously will be in this blue suit, um, which he's wearing in the movie. And then the water design, uh, the, it was wonderful. Uh, he turned and said, no, 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 because that's Wynn Hotels. He's posing on top of his hotel in his blue suit. You don't want to look like an advert for Wynn. So I think he should be up there in jeans, T-shirt, and barefoot. And wow. I thought, oh my foot. God, wow. yeah, yeah. what an awesome idea. Yeah, yeah. this guy barefoot doing on top of this building. Yes, exactly. You're asking it's all these questions. Absolutely perfect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go to the next stage then is that they have to schedule it. So <laughs> we're shooting on one of the little islands in the casino. A shot of him arriving and there's like, you know, like normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they programmed the day that they had something else to shoot with another actors first. So I could have Tom till 10 o'clock. Okay. And then he had to get down for this other island, right? Yep. So Tom, is bless him, is up at, I think he got up at 5 o'clock in the morning <laughs> for hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. He then had to travel. By this time, I mean, I, I was at the airport rigging the helicopter, getting the door off and all that stuff by seven. Mm-hmm. So I was at the airport there and we, Tom had to go 254s by elevators. Then the steel tube on the top is 200 feet high and it is a vertical climb. So he had to climb it himself? Yeah. It's not, I mean, so it's one of those things like a submarine, like, you yeah. know, he had to climb it up himself. I had a stunt, stunt and a climber up the top who put a safety line because, bless her, the lovely safety safety and health and safety lady from Paramount had been up there to check it out and said, he's not going up there without a safety line down. Because 200 feet, there's no air conditioning in that tube. Right. And the tube moves with, right. with the wind. 
So they had to lower this thing down for a safe loan. And he went up in a, in a pair of shorts, T-shirt and sneakers, got to the top, then they dressed. Then he sat, and I said, he can't be, he's, there's, there are eight foot high aircraft warning lights on top of the Burj. He's got to be on top of one of those. He cannot be anything higher than him on the planet, right? <laughs> so they said, okay. So I said, I want him sitting up there, feet over the edge, right? happy, relaxed. They put one safety line from the back of his belt down to the building. Mm -hmm. right? I said, I don't want to retouch anything. I want to be able to show that raw image to anyone who wants to see it because I can't have anyone saying we faked it. Right. It's got to be real, right? So what, did you hide the safety line? They, they hid it right behind him, yeah. Nice. So I, I would not have any more than one safety line because I couldn't risk seeing it. Mm -hmm. So he got up there and we then got, well, the assistant director, 254 below, said, he's up there, he's ready. So we take off mm -hmm. and we get up there and they're waving at us to go away. And they come with the radio said, he's not, he's not properly in yet. You, we need like 10 minutes. So luckily, very close by, there's a big parking lot. On the other side of the parking lot is a Starbucks. So we land the helicopter in the parking lot. They keep the blaze running. <laughs> and you go over to Starbucks. We go, we go to Starbucks and we go back. And sit there. Right, obviously, the Royal Pilot's still in there. So um, Anyway, we, 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 we eventually said, he's ready. We take off. Uh -huh. And he's up there. And, and I do some flights and do some video flights. But I shoot some video on him as well. Uh -huh. But then... Tom has, like a lot of actors do, if you've got to look into bright light for a long time, you squint. Mm. We all do. Right? Yeah, because it's hard on the eyes. Yeah, and years and years and years ago, I worked, did a film with Elizabeth Taylor, mm -hmm. and she would always, I asked about it one day, she would always say, we're about to shoot, and we were using hot lights, obviously, and she would shut her eyes and look into the brightest light. And I said, why do you do that? She said, a DP told me this when I first started in the industry. It dilates the pupils so you can then look into the lights without squinting. Oh. I said, oh. And I told that to so many actors. And they were like, oh, my God, what amazing. And I told it to Tom. Oh. Right? So, and it's my favorite picture of that setup, right? So I said, and I, I'm way off. And I said, uh, Tom coming in now, um, looking to the sun, right? And he does that turn, and he's just like, and I thought, oh my god, it's Rodan, yeah. right? Yeah. And I and I said, so I said to uh, I said to Mark, who said, oh, tell Tom, give me Rodan, and the most says, and I hear it, it's like, David wants Rodan, and Tom does straighten that pose, right? Yeah. And he's like profile, and I shoot that, and that's my favorite, favorite picture. How many images? Uh, did, how many shots did you take? Because you have oh, the helicopter, you have them up there. Like, how many shots did you take? I I was up there for about twenty minutes with him, and then we, because of our um, miss call from the AD, uh, eventually our pilot says uh, we got red fuel lights running, and we got to go. <laughs> so we go, and and but I got the shot by then, and then somebody said to me, "Well, what?" 
What was the value of the shot in the end? What do you think? I mean, this was in conversation with somebody who said, for, as far as the studio is concerned. Yeah, because you didn't, they didn't I said, use well, it for anything, right? Uh, no, they, they, it, was, it has been used in a lot of magazines around the world, right? Okay. But the best one was the Jay Leno show. Now, how much does it cost to get a chunk of amount of screen time on the Jay Leno show while they're talking about your movie? Yeah. All right? So he's on the Jay Leno show before the film comes out, and they show the picture looking down on Tom with the Burj behind, you know, um, the city behind him. And they start talking about the picture. Right. And they then have a commercial break. And then the, the end of the commercial break, they go back to the picture. Right. And Tom told me later, he said, no, I wanted to talk more about the picture. Right? <laughs> so they pick up picture. So, so where was the photographer on this? He said, well, it was David James who works for me a lot. There's a plug and, for you on national right, television. There's a on national television. <laughs> yeah. and, and, the, and the guy says, well, where was he? He said, he was hanging out of a helicopter. He says, it seems like, Tom said, adrenaline. <laughs> it's all about adrenaline for both of us. <laughs> You know, but that picture will never be shot by anyone else. Yeah. It will never be shot with anybody else because it's been done. Yeah. And there's graffiti on the side, right under his feet, right, which is was done by people who, and apparently there was one time people used to sail dive off it, mm -hmm. right, which it was banned. That was when it was in its construction. I refused to remove that graffiti. Now, I dislike the whole concept of paparazzi. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, I see and I applaud the thing that suddenly we're now shooting behind the scenes, which is far more interesting because mm -hmm. we, the people know about the magic of movies. Mm -hmm. And the great thing was that the paparazzi who was in Dubai at that time heard the helicopter going round and round and round got on the hotel roof and shot a picture of Tom. You can't see it's Tom, but it's a silhouette of this guy sitting on the top and there's me in a big yellow helicopter shooting at him. So I was grateful for that because it proved we got it and proved we did it. Because people did say it was a fake, right? right. And then that picture came out and there's no, those, those rumors disappeared. Wild. But, and it was, and it's like, you know, for one of the great achievements of my life was to get that picture. Yeah. Because it's historic. I mean, for those of you listening, you can go to David's website and see it. It's the main picture on the website. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Not only is it like an amazing technical feat and an amazing physical feat, but then just that life experience. And this is what's so uh. fascinating about your career. And every story, this is why I'm dead silent for this episode. <laughs> every story that we listen to the life experiences that you've come away with are amazing. And and I think there's there's sort of this thing where like um like uh I told some folks that uh, I was gonna have you on the show, right? And they said, right. well, what does he do? And I said, he takes uh uh images on set. And they're like, what is it? Like behind the scenes images? And there's this whole process of people being like, so it's just behind the scenes images. Right. And they just don't understand the value and the fact that you're setting these things up and then the life experiences and then you as a photographer we talked briefly about this last time we hung out um when you were trying to get an agent 
and they were like, what kind of images do you shoot and what do you do? You've done all of it. You've done war. You've done sci-fi. You've done fashion. Cooking. Cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's insane. The amount of stuff that you've done with this. And I will admit, I had friends. I'm friends with uh, Claire Folger, who's back in Boston, and she does set stuff. Um, And she was wonderful to me when I first started my career as a photographer she answered a lot of questions with me and she brought me in and she's like, do you want to do set photography? And I really wanted to be a filmmaker. And I just, I didn't understand. It just seemed like, all right, so you're shooting pictures of the crew shooting people. And that's what my idea of it was. Right. But then since doing movies on my own and since now knowing that more often than not, people look at posters more than they see the film. People look at the images yeah. more than they see the film. Yeah. And that becomes the representation of what my work is. Yeah. I mean, you want as a, as a, I mean, there's another story with a Tom Cruise movie on Minority Report. Mm-hmm. I had a photograph of him, and this is where, again, I love Stephen, right? Yep. I had a photograph of Tom, he was in silhouette, sitting down. Samantha was on her back with her back of her shoulder blades on his knee, and her head flowing backwards, again in silhouette, but with white tubes coming from her head. Yes, right. She was the, the uh, right. She yeah. was the. Uh, I forget what they called it in the movie, but she saw the future. Yeah. yeah. So, and she was into that moment, and he was looking up, but they were both in silhouette. And I loved the picture, and I did a huge print, and I took it to Stephen, and Stephen said, and I saw it as a poster for. the Billboard on Sunset Boulevard, right? Yeah. I saw, and, and my idea was that it's so eye-catching. It's like, what the hell is this? Why has she got this? Out? This is so like, I want to see this, right? Yeah. It was a sales picture. I would say. So Stephen said, we were at 20th Century Fox Studios in Century City, right? Mm-hmm. Stephen said, walk it around the studio. Don't show anyone in a suit. <laughs> Take it to the kitchen, take it to the workshops, take it to security, show all the people, and then come back and tell me about it. <laughs> and I, I did it. I walked around the studio for an hour. I, I stopped people say, so have a look at this and tell me what you think. And they said, oh, my God, what is it? What's the movie? Oh, I'm fascinated. What is it? Tell me, tell me. Right? So I went back to Steve and I said, everything positive. Mm-hmm. So he's only got his assistant. He said, "Put this, pin this up on the easel board on the set, and then get every suit in the studio down here." Mm-hmm. Right. So all the top execs come down, advertise like on their little suits, right? Right. And they stand around. And Stephen says to me, he "said Just stand back here, listen, don't say a word." <laughs> right. <laughs> and this, this is a true story, right? This is like, thank God, the Fox aren't there anymore. Um, but <laughs> they, they, and they were like arming and ah, and and they, a lot of them didn't even stand back and they just looked and they thought, hmm, and got and put their face right up close to it in little bits, right? It's a fucking image. It's not an insect. So they stand back and Stephen says, okay, so what? And they start on all this crap, this steep psychological nonsense. Right. That these guys can talk, right? And then Stephen turns to me and says, 
well, what do you think about that? I said, Stephen, I don't think in all my years I've ever heard such bullshit. And I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> and he came to me afterwards. He said, you're absolutely right. He said, I promise you that will get used, but it won't be a billboard. Uh-huh. And it did get used in magazines, right? Yeah. It was never a billboard. Yeah. And because then he said to me, well, explain, because he did say to me, explain to them what you think. I said, well, I think if I walk, if I drove past this at 30, 40 miles an hour on Sunset Boulevard, it would put an image in my brain. Mm-hmm. And then I would be, I would see that image again in a magazine with the name of the movie. If I don't see the name of the movie on the billboard, it doesn't matter. The image is there, then it's going to stay in here, and then you're going to see it again. You think, oh, I remember that. So yeah. what? Oh, this minority report. Yeah. Okay. And Stephen said, you're 100% right, David, but it will never happen because they won't let it. I want to take a second to show some love to the men and women that make the show possible. I'm talking about the sponsors, the people that support the show. I'm talking about the companies uh, that make the equipment that I use daily to make my work. Um, and first up, I want to thank the folks over at Fujifilm, uh, specifically Michael over at Fujifilm and Victor over at Fujifilm. Um, without them, today's episode wouldn't happen. I wouldn't have met David. Um, and they continue to support the show. They will support the show through the end of the year. Um, financially, they're helping us out, but also they've given us equipment and gear, and uh, they will be helping us get some stuff to you guys as well. Um, I shoot with Fujifilm now. Gina just shot with Fujifilm. She loves their new medium camera, the new medium format camera. She's shooting with the GFX 100S. I just saw some of the stuff she did for a magazine last week, and it looks amazing. Uh, and I have been using the Fujifilm H2S, uh, the X-H2S. Uh, I use that for some video as well as stills. I love the lenses on it. I love the ability to do street shooting. Um, and the thing that Gina and I were talking about last week is uh, the autofocus feature on these cameras is amazing. Uh, all of her photos were in focus, clean and crisp. Uh, it doesn't matter the light situation. The autofocus setup works well in low light situation. It actually not only has like facial recognition stuff, but it also is smart enough to understand when someone's wearing glasses, smart enough to understand like hair that's running in front of someone's face. And what I really like is that you can do object tracking as well, which is very useful when you're uh, shooting product photography or if you're doing like handheld moves and you want to track to a specific object. It's wild, man. You can dial in the speeds of it. 
it's really fucking cool this is an ultra like the uh what is it the i always forget the numbers the xh2s i love that camera it's called mike's camera my camera uh, is a great one to use if you're filming yourself. Let's say you're an influencer, the screen will flip so you can see it with that auto tracking, that autofocus tracking. It's very useful. Um, and all of the cameras, including their medium format one, they all come with LUTs, really great looks inside of it that you can bake onto your JPEG images or you can uh, have referenced in your RAW files that you shoot. Um, so you can shoot black and white. They have filtration for all of the classic film stocks that we talk about, David and I talk about on the show. Um, but also, um, it also has like in-camera film grain stuff. Gina, you really like the film grain, right? Yeah. What setting are you shooting on? Are you shooting high or medium or low? Strong and high? Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. Very natural feeling, grain, um, which I think is important because these cameras are so crisp and clean that it helps add that sort of organic element to it that our eyes are used to seeing. So it smooths the edges and it feels a little bit more approachable. You know what I mean? Um, I can't say enough great stuff about Fujifilm. Uh, be ready to hear some more as we start to interview some of their filmmakers. We start to interview some photographers that work with them. And uh, big shout out to you guys for making today possible. Also supporting the show, if you're someone that is photo editing, right? And you need a new computer, your old computer can't handle these large PSB files, right? Isn't that what they call the large Photoshop files? Yeah, PSBs, right? You're starting to shoot uh, images, raw images that are coming out of camera at over 250 megs. You start putting multiple layers on that, masks on that. Next thing you know, your file sizes are over two gigs large. Um, and you can't no longer have that be a PSD. You got to move to those PSB files. They become harder to load in Photoshop. Uh, run. They become harder to run out. If you're using smart layers, oh, it's a fucking nightmare. So you just need a great graphics card. You need some RAM and you need a good processor. And your old MacBook Pro isn't working for you. Your old, your old uh, desktop isn't working for you. And it's time to go back out to the market. I suggest you go buy a PC. I do. Why? Uh, because they are affordable. They're competitive. They're upgradable. And I get it, you don't want to build your own. It's a scary thing to try to build your own computer. What hardware goes with what? Are we sure that the newest graphics card is going to do shit for the old program I'm using? I don't know. I felt the same way until I found Puget Systems. Go to PugetSystems.com. These guys build computers based upon the software you're going to use. These guys have benchmark tested all the new hardware out there on the market. They put it to the test. They know what works well. They know what's going to happen when we get these software updates. They know how to work around that stuff. They know how to hook you up with systems that will talk and write to Mac files, right? Mac folder structure. So that way, when you're working with people that haven't quite caught up yet, and they're still on the old Mac machines, you can be uh, going back and forth with their drives. No problem whatsoever. I love my Puget system. I've got two. I've got a new one on the way. Um, and uh, if you are a company that is in, maybe you're a, a finishing company, a touch-up company, maybe you're a post-production, an editing company, and you're now at the point where you need more editing base, you need to upgrade all your material. Go talk to Puget Systems. Go get a quote from them. 
Go talk to them, get a con go get a consultation from them and see how well they do. See if it changes your perception of this. I think it's going to save you money. I think you're going to build systems that work for you. That's what I like about Puget Systems. So go to PugetSystems.com and check it all out. Uh, as we sit around and eat our food in today's episode, I want to give a big shout out to Bear Republic, our first beer sponsor on the show. Um, Bear Republic Brewing Company was founded in 1995. Their original brewery is located just off the downtown square of Heldsburg, California, where they have created and sometimes stumbled upon some of their favorite beer recipes. Ricardo's Red Rocket Ale, Racer 5 IPA, and many others began in that very brew house. Uh, I'm excited about this renaissance, this beer renaissance that we're having right now. It is the best time to be a beer drinker in America. There's over 9,000 breweries out there right now, privately owned, like small business. People that love beers putting things together. I love it, man. And what do I love about beer? What am I drinking these days? I mean, I love a good IPA, but I don't do those much because we're out here in California. So I'm always doing like a Pilsner or I'm doing like a Czech. I'm doing something light, maybe some weedy stuff. I love that. And obviously this ad read is for anybody that is the legal drinking age. So if you're not 21 yet, if you guys are young and you're, you're getting there, then you'll, you're almost there. Hang out. And when you do get there, drink responsibly. And by responsibly, I don't just mean don't get drunk and go drive because that's a waste of your life. That'll end everything. But I think more importantly, think about how flavor profiles work. Think about what you're pairing your beer with. It isn't always about going to get a 30 rack of the cheapest thing in the, in the world and pounding that thing down. You'll get over that. You start crossing into your mid-20s, you'll be like, ah, I'm done with that. So what's next? Well, head on over to Bear Republic and check out all their small batches. Maybe buy some of them. You can buy them online. If you're in California, they'll ship them to you. And if you're not in California, they'll let you know where you can get those beers. And try some stuff out. I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that I'm more, <laughs> oftentimes I choose my beer based upon the graphics on the outside of the can. I really do. I have so much fun drinking beer. I have so much fun going to bars and enjoying it. And uh, check out Bear Republic. Go to bearrepublic.com. We have a promo code, which is PROCESS15. If you use that promo code PROCESS15, you'll get 15% off the entire store, uh, including both beer and merch at bearrepublic.com. Uh, let's see. Lastly, let's see. Who else we got going on here? Um, also, Jambox. Jambox.io. If you are somebody that uh, cuts videos, if you have your podcast and you're looking for licensed music, Jambox.io has the best licensed music out there. 100%. I'm honestly telling you this. Using Jambox has changed my, my career. It has helped me book new clients. I am able to create epic sounding Michael Bay feeling pieces uh, with licensed music. And uh, they have a bunch of different subscription options. If you head on over to their website, I use their $19.99 commercial plan, but I know they have uh, even more discounted plan for folks that are just doing it for uh, podcasts, web streams, YouTube. Um, but at the commercial plan, I get access not only to their entire library of music, but their sound effects library and their stems. So I can actually take songs, break it down to stems, just listen to the drums, listen to the guitars and build it and do an edit that fits my time 
for my edit, which is great. And then for students, they have like a six bucks a month thing as well, which you can use for film festivals, student pieces, projects, etc. Now, if you don't want a subscription, if you don't want to go into another subscription game, you can actually license songs individually. They're very affordable. Although there hits a point where it's like, if you're going to just license this, just buy your subscription. It's almost the same. Um, so jambox.io, head over there now and just listen to their library of music. I've got a playlist up there. Go check out all their synthwave stuff. Fucking really great stuff. And they have a really great opera section and classical music section, which is very hard to find good stuff at that sort of music licensing price. Jambox.io, best place to find music. Let it change your work today. Um, that is that. That is everybody. So uh, let's get back to it with David. wild man it's so like, well, that's what the business is yeah it's so wild and it, half the time you feel like these folks are just making i mean it's the same thing with advertising right you do commercials that's right yeah you know like if you like if i'm directing a commercial i probably have like 12 seats behind me with a bunch of people that have to at some point during the day chime in to validate their yearly salary and that's part of their process yeah, i right? got i got one more story about okay, that yeah no, that, that way too i yeah. mean now you finish your story first, so but. like so you you just you're trying to get through to these folks and say to them like look i know that you've been to college <laughs> i know that you've taken courses on psychology and everything else and yes you're probably right but also it's just a fucking image like, how do people respond to this image? Yeah. Yeah, what's your story? Okay. When I was, uh, I had just left MGM. Uh-huh. I'd done Exodus, um, the, the printing job, and Exodus. I got back to MGM, and Dave Bolton said to me, you ain't coming back here. You no longer have a job here. You're <laughs> out. Like, you left, quit, fired. You're not coming back. Go and sign on the union as a photographer, put me as a reference <laughs> and start shooting. He said, how much money did you save on the location? I said, oh, enough to buy a Rolly Flex and a, put a deposit on a 4 by 5 He said, right, go do it. <laughs> You're a photographer. Now piss off. <laughs> so I went out. So one of the first jobs I got was for Pearl and Dean Advertising. Okay. To shoot a commercial for Princess Salmon. Okay. Princess Salmon is sold in little tins. <laughs> little tins. I mean, it's like, so the, the scene is a big ballroom, wide staircase, 
people coming down the staircase in suits and ball gowns and like and in the foreground is a table banquet table laid up in the day there's this huge dish filled with ice and there's a little tin of princess salmon on it <laughs> i mean i'm sorry but just a mind the concept of that that little tin of princess salmon is going to Oh. Feed about forty people, right? <laughs> in ball gowns and things. Right. I mean, I'd I'd walk straight out of there. <laughs> right, the worst party ever I, to get invited. I, I to. go to a fish and chip shop. <laughs> yeah. you know, like. Anyway, so I, I call for still and set up my four by five, and being told, always focus on the eyes. I focused on the crowd, mm-hmm. right? And the, so this foreground of this table, which I think is crap. Is out of focus. Well, out of focus on the four by five, which is the product. <laughs> but the group in the background is so sharp. <laughs> so, two days later, they get the images, and Dave Bolton calls me and said, "Oh, you better come and see me." So I went into the studios. I said, "What?" He said, "I have been told by Pearl and Dean you will never work in this industry again. You screwed it up totally." You didn't get the product sharp. Mm-hmm. I said, you always told me to focus on the eyes. And he said, yeah, but David, he said, I think you did right because that's where the money was. And then it, like, the day after, Pearl and Dean were furious. They were screaming on the phone to him. They screamed on the phone to me. You'll never work again. You're done. Right? A day later, I get a call from somebody else at Pearl and Dean, like yep. one of the heads, yep. saying, um, just want to apologize for some of our cohorts' remarks to you. You are a hero and are always welcome on our shoots because that is exactly what the advertising agency wanted. They didn't want you to get the goddamn table because it minimized the sound. Right, yeah, yeah. they put they're going to use your poster and it were billboards. Right, this whole group of people and it mounted on the front was a shot of Princess Salmon. Yeah, in the tin. Yeah, right. So I was a hero, but that's like you have to use your instinct, not yeah. what. Yeah, because yeah, if you process that, right? So if you examine yeah. that, you go. When are they ever going to have this many extras? When are they ever going to have this set? They can yeah. always get some guy in a studio somewhere to shoot the salmon. Yeah. They can put that wherever the hell yeah. they want. Yeah. Where, where was the money being spent that day? On the set and the extras, right? Yes. Smart, dude. Yeah. Very smart. But it's like, and, and you're talking about things online and things? Yeah. I, I did um, Belfast Photo Festival thing that I did a couple of years ago, so... Mm-hmm. Or just before COVID, um, I, I, I walked on the stage and I said, "Okay, for those of you who don't know me, or maybe you've Googled or Wikipedia'd me," <laughs> I said, "Wikipedia is not quite accurate because it said, and it's actually said, I'm 159 years old." I haven't looked at it. And Wikipedia said I was 159 years old. I said, but they're wrong because, believe me, I walked in the deserts of Israel with Jesus and the apostles. So get that, Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) But I I did another one with Fuji, which is sometimes on these things you do, 
you know, people ask you questions afterwards. Yeah. I did this thing with 250 photographers, university photographers, for a convention. Yep. And they had me go up and I guess slideshows. I talked for about two hours. And they had two mics set up at the, on the corridors. And, and Michael for Fuji said, um, we got time for two questions. Other than that, we've taken over a wine bar restaurant near our hotel. Mm-hmm. And anyone's welcome to join us. It's on Fuji. And ask David questions because we'll both be there, mm-hmm. which was lovely. It was a beautiful evening. But two guys got up and asked questions. One came down and said, out of all the people you've worked with, which two would you like to have dinner with together? Oh, that's a good one. I said, Peter Ustinov and Marlon Brando. Okay. Uh, and he said, why? I said, I said, because I wouldn't say a word, but their stories would be amazing. Yeah. And they're both raconteurs. Another guy came down and said, which two would you not like to have dinner with? And I looked at them, and everyone went silent. They were looking at him, looking at me. I said, that doesn't exist. Everyone has a story that's worth listening to. And I got a huge round of applause. I thought, yes. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> you got him. <laughs> he didn't turn up for it. <laughs> uh, this is like, what are we doing on time here? We're doing good. How are you? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm going to go from here to my daughter is free from her duties for Warner Brothers from now till four o'clock. So I'm going to go down and join her in Highland Park. Oh, nice. That's right, too, because now you're passing down through generations at this point. Chia Bella James, check her website out. And she, I'm so proud of her. She's, I have pictures of her on the set of, of um, Schindler's List. Mm. standing in front of Stephen with a very small monitor in those, uh, those days. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was about eight. And I have a set of picture of her helping craft service on Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. And then I, and my oldest daughter, who's now working with Warner Brothers, was in uh, a, a, a extra assistant director wearing a helmet and all stuff <laughs> on the same movie on their vacations uh-huh um the cheer became a still photographer she did she worked on um never go back with me mm-hmm. she worked on she was kind of coordinator for me on star wars the force awakens mm-hmm. and Whenever I put a camera in her hand, she's gone for it. When, she, when we doing, I was doing Band of Brothers, we were shooting battle scenes on the back lot at the studios. And it's insane. She came, I, I put a cannon in her hands with a long lens, and I put her in a ditch of you know a, a crater with a camera crew. And I said, anything out there, move, shoot it. <laughs> I said, these guys look after you. And I went to my position, and I just left her to shoot. And she's in her blood. And i tell you something. She's a better photographer than I am. She, she has a different look, a different aspect. And she is quite amazing. She did, last year, she did Dune, and she did King Richard. Yeah, no big deal. And, and she's like, yeah, right. Yeah. And she's also, so she did a book which is on her website on CBJ called Masquerade. Mm-hmm. And it's a book about people wearing masks, but it's not, 
your regular mouse, she has a box of their mouths. It's like lower halves of faces. Yeah, right? well, it's, it's just the mouths, and it's like a jigsaw piece. So you hold it up in front of you, or you just stick it on your nose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 she's right. And Simon Pegg wrote the intro for it. And she has done, she's interviewed everybody, including myself, my wife, and say, and our stories are opposite our pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but all all the income from it is going to children's mental health charities mm. in England, That's which wonderful. are amazing. But I'm so proud of that book. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm so proud of what she, right now she's doing a movie in England. Well, I think it's just staying in stately homes for shooting. And then, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, she's just incredible. Well, I mean, there's something nice about, this is what we try to do with this show. There's something nice about you being able to essentially give her a footstool and say, like, here are my experiences. Here's all my time. Take this and run with it and make it better and make it into something more. Right. And she's lived them with me. Yeah. You know, she's been there every vacation. I mean, I was, I was a, probably the worst father in the way of being an on on the doorstep father yeah because you're uh, on cruise all the time i was always away i was always away yeah i mean i used to say in the old days i used to i remember standing on top of san pedro down in by long beach area and with a little tape recording in my hand recording the surf right and then talking to them to both my girls Saying, okay, tell me where you tell me where I am, tell me this, tell me that, and then send it to them in the mail. Then I would get answers back, That's and then cute. whoever won got it right, got a prize. You know, they, they both got prizes, but you know, but it was like that was the way of communication. We didn't have FaceTime or WhatsApp or cell phone. You know? <laughs> That's cute, man. That's really cute because I mean, we really didn't get into this, and I talked to this with a lot of different crew people. Um, because when you join the circus, that's essentially what you're doing when you decide that you're going to be a film set. You person. are. You're in the circus, yeah. And it's got to be really difficult to hold on to relationships and to have a family in yeah. that scenario. I, I, I did uh, Water for Elephants, mm -hmm. and we had real circus set up out in Simi. Mm -hmm. right? and, and it was funny because when I left the circus that night to go home, I was leaving one circus to go to another circus. <laughs> but that circus was just so natural to me and to have everybody living there on the premises, you know, the circus people. Yeah. And they were awesome. They were just like us. Yeah. And we were like them. We, f we felt the same, you know. We, we were gypsies. Yeah. You know, I, I, I remember my mum telling me a, one of my uncles on her side or one of our, sorry, one of my aunts married a Spanish gypsy. And she said that I came, my blood done came out of that Spanish gypsy because <laughs> I was the only one who gets a suntan in the family. I was the only one who's got slightly darker skin. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one who's like uh, got a gypsy brain that I got to be on the road all the time. Yeah, yeah. Was it tough having a family when you were on the road the whole time? Yes, it was, but... I loved having a family, and it was say, and I loved having kids. I figured I'd never have kids, right? Because my wife now, let's say, is my second marriage. Mm -hmm. My first one didn't laugh because she would never get into that. Right. <laughs> 
business, right? right. She'd come out on vacation with me and sit in the hotel. Right. She, she was not move. interested. Yeah. No. Not interested in the people or anything about it. Yeah. But my, it's my, my wife now, Diane, is like, has put up with so much from me that I'm here, there, gone. Sh and when, when she travels with me, my mind is what I'm working on. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's like, gotta be tough. It is tough, but she's, uh, bless her, she's, she's held it together. You know, held me together, I would say. Yeah. Because uh, you, you take, you know, it, as a photographer on a movie, you're, you're so involved in it all. Mm -hmm. And then you get home at night these days and you're editing. Right. Because you're still, you're still going, you're and going you're for still, hours. Yeah. And, hours, and, yeah. and then you're thinking about the next day's work and last day's work and a week's and the next movie and last day. Your, your brain's never stopping. Yeah. It's just moving all the time through every scenario. You, you, you're often living your life again every day and you're living what you don't know yet. Yeah. Right. You're always planning, you're always executing, you're always regretting that you didn't do it at this angle or that angle. Mm -hmm. I mean, later on you think, oh, that was all right. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, you're. But when you're in it, you're like spiraling. Every moment, you're yeah. my brain is still spiraling. Yeah, and yeah. it always will. Yeah, you know. But it's kind of like, I mean, she's my wife is an amazing organizer, and she's held all that together. Mm. I mean, sometimes she gets a bit pissed off now that I don't like catch up. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. That's me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, I was always a solitary. That that's why. It, my personality was right to be a photographer mm. where I can work singly. Right. You know, I'm happy to go down to the beach now and spend hours there just waiting for a seagull to be in the right spot. You know, yesterday I played golf. I play golf once or twice a week. I love it because it's my meditation. It's my play music, my hairs. I, and every moment of it is meditation and beauty. But I often, because I'm playing music, I have my iPhone in my pocket, right? Mm -hmm. And I just I took a picture yesterday. I say there was a single tree on the horizon when I was approaching a hole, mm -hmm. and there's one of the, one of my golfers' friends was under that tree in silhouette with his golf club. In front of him, right? Mm -hmm. And in front of him was the green and then part of, of a bunker. And it was just so that just his silhouette yeah. under that tree, that silhouette of that tree on that hill was the perfect moment. And I shot it and it's on my iPhone. And I love that picture. Yeah. Right? And it's like, I mean, I shoot raw on my iPhone so I can. You, you, you know, can fuck with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, you know, obviously. It doesn't matter if you don't fuck with it. If you just like, you have it and it's up there in your head. I have lots of pictures of my head that I've never shot. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I have pictures, I have images of when I did the Battle of Britain, mm -hmm. of, of I crash landed in the Heinkel bomber. Yeah, that's crazy. I got those images in my There was a moment over. I mean, I think we all have images that are stuck in our heads that we can't ever get rid of. We were doing, on the, again, on the Battle of Britain, we were doing a flight 
of 30-odd airplanes. Oh, no, this, that, that was a crash landing one. On, on this one, we, I was in the tail end of a B-25 bomber. And the tail end, we take the gun position off the back and we put a camera mount in there. So there was Skeets Kelly, the operator, on his camera, which was a Mitchell, and me on the right. And we had just just done this whole fight thing with the spit, with Spitfires and Mr. Smiths behind us. And they all regrouped behind us to go for another take. Skeets was reloading, I was reloading, and we were flying over dense cloud over an area called Area Eagle Bravo in England, which is a corridor, a flight corridor, that goes from the southeast of London to the Wash, which is the top of the Thames. Okay. And that Area Eagle Bravo was specifically reserved for Royal flights. So any of the Royals flying helicopters, small planes, had that corridor. Nothing was allowed in that. We were allowed to use it for filming as long as there were no Royal flights that day. Right, right. And we were dense clouds, so we were flying above the clouds. And we lurched. Right? I looked up and I saw a Vulcan bomber. It's a huge, like, dark-shaped thing going vertical behind us and all the little planes in front of it were fanned out. Our pilot, Jeff Hawke, saw the radar nose tip come up in front of him. Wow. Our fighter pilot saw us framed by half the Vulcan bomber. I saw those flights splitting out framed by the whole Vulcan bomber. We were doing 300 miles an hour <laughs> that way, horizontally. Yeah, horizontally. That Vulcan bomber was doing 350 miles an hour vertically. We, we obviously then cancelled shooting for the day. And we did in what was those days, true RAF conditions, that on a near miss like that, you all go back to base and head for the bar. <laughs> so, and we were RAF Duxford. We had our own bar set up and everything. So we, they knew we were coming. We radiated it in. So we all headed for the bar, except for our pilots who had to go and re file reports to the air ministry. But because the, you guys almost died. It's, it's, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But apparent, okay. apparently, we had missed when, when the air ministry radar and ground radars and the Vulcan bomber radars picked up all the details we missed an impact of all those airplanes by 0 0.0094 of a second my God. of a second i mean that would have been horrendous i mean imagine all those planes crashing in the air oh my god above the you know the, the civilian population on the ground the cities right. and towns right. and they, they tried to find out firstly vulcan bomber should not have been that area he was way out of the line Right, so the, uh, the only thing, I mean, we all survived it, and we all have stories to tell about it, but the only thing that was um, amused me was that we got the reports from the flight. It was a, he was a student pilot under instruction, right? Okay. So there were only two on board on that Vulcan, and they said, what was the first, the, the instructor, what was the first reaction to this thing? Right. I hit the student pilot over the head with the flight manual. 
Okay, what did I achieve? Nothing. Um, <laughs> what was the student pilot's thing, right? Uh-huh. He said he came out of us and he sat and, and I identified the amount of fighters, a multicolored aircraft leading them, which was us. And we had big zebra stripes on different colors on each four corners so that when we're doing aerial stuff, they could come in on red corner, blue corner, like whatever. Right, right? it was marks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. Interesting. That was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then his description of the fighters, they were all RAF, but in fact, only three of them were RAF. The rest were wartime ME-109s with swastikas on them. <laughs> he didn't get any awards for that. <laughs> Aircraft recognition was not his strong point. <laughs> Thank God he hadn't been in the war. He'd been shooting down the wrong people. Unreal. But those, you know, those things happen. Like... Unreal. I, look, I hate to do this, but uh, <laughs> we have to wrap this up. This has been uh, such a fun episode for me. Hey, it's been me, me too. Thank you. I love hearing your stories. I am just so... I feel so blessed that you're sharing your experiences with me and with us on the show. Um, yeah. Your work is amazing, obviously, but like more than anything, your experiences are amazing. Thank you. you know, it's, for me, it's all, it's it's my history, and it's what it's what I've loved doing. And could I start it and all do it again tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll tell you this, man. Yeah. I'm jealous. Like I feel like. <laughs> You lived the golden age of photography. I, I believe so. I yeah. believe so. And, and not only the golden age of photography, is of life. There it is. Done. In the can interview with david james was it not cool was it not the most epic interview ever right talk about a bit of everything it's been a while since i've had a photographer on the show and many of you have asked when are you going to do a new photographer well look at this guy got you a great photographer thanks to the folks over at fujifilm also got you someone that's going to tell us stories about directing and set life and working with actors this is everything this show has been the a tornado of everything that we love. The only thing that we didn't get into was food, although we were eating great food. We talked about food off air, so eh, kind of did. What'd you guys think? Drop me a message on Instagram. Tell me what you think. Um, what's your favorite story? What do you wish we could talk more about? Do you want me to get him back on the show? What kind of questions do you have? What have you learned about mentorship? I get so many people asking me, well, should you go to film school? Should I go to photo school? What should I do? Maybe you'll learn something from here, right? Love it. And are you now thinking about behind-the-scenes photographers in a new light for all you filmmakers and producers that are listening? There's an importance here. If Spielberg has him still printing out 8x10s and giant like poster-sized images for him to look at on set, he knows the value of it. If he was able to convince Tom Cruise to, to pay more attention to stills on set... He knows the value of it. Hell, one would even argue that David's photos of Tom Cruise on those movie posters have helped make that money back. 
right? On some of the biggest movies ever. So maybe we've learned something. Hopefully you have. I know I have. And I feel like this is why I moved to California. This is why I came to LA. To be able to go, have drinks, sit down with someone like David, and just enjoy his life experiences. Gain something from them and express those to you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. And as always, please go check us out at lovewiththeprocess.com and leave a review for today's episode on Apple Podcasts. If you loved it, leave a review. Directly reference today's episode with David James. Um, every review that gets posted on Apple Podcasts puts us higher on the algorithm, puts that show out there so fans can listen. I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for listening. Lots more on the way. And as always, I will see you next Tuesday. Goodbye,